Welcome to the 27th episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and alongside me, I have my co-host and human man, Adrian Pinter. How's it going, buddy? General Kenobi, it's going quite well. Human man. It is true, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's arguably the most factual thing you've said about me. It's a true thing. I've said true things on countless occasions to introduce you. Come on. Yeah, I know, but I feel like this is the most accurate. Well, because probably the most indeed, accurate thing is the fact that you're... I don't, don't say it. I know what you're going to say. It's not you're true. You're a PlayStation fanatic. Okay, that one's Would true. You, you were going to say the Ready Player One. Shut up. You know you were going to say the Ready Player One one, and now you're doubling back. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, you were. You son of a gun. Don't be I a silly it. goose. Don't be a silly goose. goose. So how are you, buddy? I am fine. Okay. You know, just... just uh, I'm tired, man. I'm tired. Uh, I'm tired of COVID. I'm tired of... Being in a lockdown again, I'm tired of people just not taking it seriously enough. I'm just, I'm just tired. Nobody wants to be in this. No, it's funny. Uh, It's funny. Yeah, we're in a lockdown. We work in a retail store. It's funny how often people just want to, you know, we're doing curbside pickup, but people just want to walk in. Yeah, and it's like, oh, are you open? Yeah. Yeah, for curbside, man. And they're like, oh, that's weird. We can't just come in and browse around. So no. I've been using, uh, I've been using the line. It's like, oh no, you definitely can, but uh, the closest store you can go into is in Saskatchewan. No, you haven't. I have, I have indeed. Some that's customers hilarious. love it, some do not. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> hey, man. tell me about the the worst one, the one that really did not love it. I want to hear that story. It wasn't, it wasn't anything bad. They're like, what do you mean, Saskatchewan? It's like, because the other nearby provinces are on lockdown, man. <laughs> like, it's literally just just getting straight to the point. Yeah, is Manitoba locked down as well? I believe so. I might be wrong. I know Alberta's doing really badly. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I I feel like Manitoba's also curbside. I might be wrong. I might be wrong. But either way, I still want them to drive further. <laughs> sure. Yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah, like... It, the fact that we just still have people that don't believe this is real. I mean, just look at the news. Just, I, I just want to wish. I just want to tell those people like, watch global news like for the latest day. It's just getting worse and worse. Hospitals are getting overwhelmed. I mean, if you need any proof that this is real, I mean, none of these nurses or doctors or you know respiratory therapists want to be stuck in this hell. <laughs> they rather not have this issue. They want to do other things. And not be stuck. Like, imagine how many of these doctors and nurses had to work through Christmas that didn't have to work through Christmas last year, as an example, because it wasn't like <laughs> literally the worst time for COVID so far mm-hmm. in this past like few weeks. So in Ontario, anyway, Ontario is like really bad. But yeah, I don't know. If the proof is in the pudding. Just take a look at the at the at the footage. The pudding. Take a look at the pudding. Yeah. Anyway, it's sad. How are you? I'm okay. Same situation. I mean, it's just a curbside pickup in a lockdown store. I'm kind of doing what I was doing before, though, to be honest. I'm just staying home and doing this podcast with you every week and then editing it and then playing PlayStation 5 and watching the odd movie and TV show, you know? Yeah. Isn't that what you're doing? Yeah, pretty much. And then taking care of Ellie, your dog? 
Yeah, I've been. Uh, I took her on a walk the other day with my uh, my sister's dog Bruno. Walking both of them at the same time. Let me tell you, walking two dogs, two relatively large dogs. Bruno's a German Shepherd Husky, full grown. Ellie is uh, still growing, but fairly large Golden Retriever, Great Pyrenees. Man, was that a tough walk. I'll be honest, especially with ice on the ground. I was like, I'm going to slip and break my leg. My greatest fear. One of my greatest fears. Slipping on ice and breaking my leg. Have I ever told you? Alongside open open water, swimming in open water. Yeah, I'm not a fan of open water either. It's terrifying, man. You never know what's down there. Did I ever tell you the tale of why I'm terrified of ice? Uh, I think so. I'm I'm sure you can can fill, fill in the audience. Now that you've seeded it. Okay, I'll be quick. I'll be quick because I feel like maybe I mentioned this, but I was young. I was waiting for water polo practice. I was probably 12 years of age. It was outside the University of Guelph in the back parking lot. I was with two of my friends that also did water polo with me. Lo and behold, we look to our left-hand side and walking down this parking lot is a mother, a father, and and, and a woman, probably 16 years of age. Just walking down this thing, we know we take we don't even pay attention. Whatever, there's just two a few people walking down this hill. All of a sudden, we hear a slip, we hear a fall, and we hear a scream. We run over there. I go over there, and I see this 16 year old woman lying on the ground with her leg bent out of shape because she slipped on ice and just broke her leg. Terrified of ice ever since. Mm, yes, absolutely terrified. I I saw a broken leg on ice, and what was she doing? She was just walking like a. Just a regular old human being just walking and she slips in, breaks her leg. That's unfortunate. I'm also terrified of open water. Uh, no no specific reason behind it. I just am. I conquered my fear once of open water in Costa Rica. I went snorkeling. And uh, during my snorkeling adventure, great time. I was like, wow, this is awesome. We go back on the little boat. It's like, this wasn't bad at all. Guess what? A freaking shark swims under the boat, not even like a minute and a half later. I was like, what in the French fry? Sharks aren't um, really, you know, they're not always dangerous. They're they're kind of just swimming I know. by. I don't want to mess with one, though. Oh, yeah. Well, you shouldn't mess with one in general. But, oh, yeah, just to yeah. reiterate, you never told told me that story because, I mean, if you had, you, you know, I mean, we would, would have talked outside of this podcast, which doesn't happen. That's a fact. No, never. Maybe I told someone you knew and they told you. It's possible. It's possible. Or it was on our previous podcast that we. That's also a possibility. That we've talked on before. That could be that could be the case, but yeah, you never you never can tell. Were you doing water polo in the parking lot? Sorry, it was. No, we were waiting for practice. Oh, not a game. Practice. Gotcha. Understood. I mean, we play games. We have skirmishes during practice, or we had skirmishes during practices. But excellent. Well, that was many moons ago. Yes, indeed. Well, let's move on to some corrections from last week. Last week's episode twenty-six. Shall we? Yes. We shall. Excellent. Excellent. The first one is my correction. I don't know if you've got one, but I've got a correction here. Um, I, 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 it's not really as much of a, of a uh, correction as it is really a clarification. We talked a lot about Soul last week, the Disney Plus Pixar movie, um, which I shouldn't really call. I don't know if I should really call it a Disney Plus Pixar movie because it's one of Pixar's best, in my opinion. I, I, I really do think mm-hmm. it's awesome. It's not like a, it's not like the Cars two or something. Or planes, but um, planes was actually Disney. That wasn't Pixar. Oh, whatever. Isn't that weird that it was though? It wasn't a similar animation star style to Cars. Incredibly similar. Yeah, weird. It, you would argue that it's in the same universe, huh. which I think you can argue, and yet not made by the same studio. Well, what does it really mean? I mean, it's Disney Pixar, anyways. But I digress. 
my point was, the clarification was, I talked at length about the music for Soul, which I think is just amazing. I, I thought it was amazing. And it was mainly, uh, or I shouldn't even say mainly, but a lot of the music was made by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross uh, of Nine Inch Nails. And also, and also many other movies, especially David Fincher movies, but I guess they're branching off to do many other things. Well, for instance, Watchmen of 2019, which was just incredible music and incredible score, but they are not the only ones who made the music for Soul, which I didn't realize. And I was thinking about it and and I started listening to the album and then I realized it's John Batiste did the jazz music, which makes perfect sense. Because it doesn't sound like anything they've ever done before. Like the jazz music, which is mostly when um, Jamie Foxx's character is on Earth. Uh, and then when they go into the netherworld, like the, the great before, that's when you hear a lot of that Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross score. And the mashup of those two very different, differing styles of music is kind of what makes the movie great in a lot of ways too. But yeah, like John Batiste's score is really, really good too. Like they, they both, the three guys who made this score, an incredible musical composition, in my opinion. I think that the fact that they're so different and how well they play off of each other is awesome, in my opinion. Correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't John Batiste, isn't he on one of the late night shows? Is it, is it, is it Stephen Colbert? Am I wrong? Yeah, you got, it, you got it on the first guess. Yeah, it is. Specifically, it's Stephen Colbert. Yeah, it's John Batiste um, and being human. Uh, being human? Staying, staying human? Damn. Stay human? Now I've got to look it up. Give me a moment. But yeah, he's really cool in that too. And he's 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 truly really skilled on the piano, which I also find pretty great because it's very fitting specifically for, uh, again, Jamie Foxx's character in Soul, who's a pianist. I think he's a jazz pianist specifically. It's called Stay Human, his band, who works with uh, with Stephen Colbert. He's won a couple of awards as well. He's pretty, uh, again, he's a pretty skilled dude. And yeah, it's it's really cool. It's it's really good music for a um, for a movie that's very much about music, it fits very well, I'd say. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I love that movie, like a lot. I think it's one of the greats from last year. And I do agree with you. I think it's one of Pixar's best. Although not my favorite. It's my Again, I mentioned this last week that it's probably my least favorite of uh, Pete Docter's four main movies that he's that he's made. Um, but I, I really did love that movie quite a bit. I recommended it to my boss at work who actually has a young child and they watched it the other day and he said that he really loved it and that his kid really loved it. And he also mentioned that his kid asked like, who's the villain in the movie? Oh, um, nice. which is kind of funny. And there isn't really one which makes the movie that much more unique, I guess. Yeah. There's no real antagonist throughout the film. I mean, there's the the one character that's trying to, you know, figure out where uh, I forget the ca- the character's name is, but there's actually no antagonist in the movie. It's quite it's quite different. There is a little bit like in Terry, who actually has a great yeah. speaking of the score, ha- has a great theme song uh from Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, but yeah, it's more of a he's he's fighting himself, the main character in a lot of Agreed. ways. And actually that gets into the the email that we received from Kenneth Saddlebauer. So let's reach into the mailbag for a moment here, shall we? We ask our listeners to write into us with comments, questions, and corrections by way of Twitter or by email to splitfocuspodcast at gmail.com. And Kenneth Saddlebauer wrote into us and he said, Fellow travelers, I write you in the hours betwixt the years 2020 and 2021. 
First, forgive my grammatical syntax errors. I'm typing on a toaster, even whilst high on pixie sticks. <laughs> Get me some of that. I enjoy the newest animated Grinch, as well as Over the Moon on Netflix. Taken on their own, they are fun, neatly executed movies. But they don't compare to Soul, nor any Pixar movie. So far, each Pixar movie seemed to be geared toward kids and having an underlying message. Toy Story 4 was a thinly disguised kids movie about a parent, Woody, dealing with empty nest syndrome. What do you do when your child doesn't need you anymore? And how do you justify your life without a kid? Soul dealt with a school teacher dealing with an existential crisis, throwing in elements for children almost as an afterthought. I honestly think no other studio could make an animated movie like that. Pixar seems unrestrained by corporate influence. I don't think DreamWorks or Illumination could work adult themes into their movies without interference by Universal. Pixar has brilliant writers, talented animators, gifted voice actors, fantastic soundtracks due to talent like Trent Risner, and access to Scrooge McDuck's treasury, and unbelievable track record because of it. As an aside, I thought it was clever of Pixar to not put the title of the movie in it until the end, after the main character discovered his life. Looking forward to a shiny new year of hearing the opinions and projections of the best critics since Waldorf and Statler. Signed, Kenneth, and a quote here, Hope smiles from the threshold of the year to come, whispering, it will be happier. A quote by Alfred Lord Tennyson. Awesome. Once again, thank you, Kenneth, for writing in. I really like the call out here specifically to do with that um, the title of the movie being put at the very end of the movie. Uh, it made me think, because it is interesting until he discovers who he truly is. It's kind of, it's an interesting call out to that, as opposed to putting it in in the beginning of the movie, like every other movie would. But anyways, thought that was cool. Yeah, no, I agree with that, man. I actually didn't even clue into that. I'll be honest with you. It never clicked with me. I I assumed that we, we were shown it at the beginning of the movie, but obviously not. I'm a fool. I'm not paying enough attention. I like that quote by uh, Batman's Butler too. Pretty it's good. not. Uh, it's it, I don't, uh, it's not Batman's Butler. It's a different Alfred. Uh, it's Alfred uh, Pennyworth. Agreed to disagree. Alfred Pennyworth is the name of Batman's Butler of the Tennyson clan. No, no. This mm -hmm. is a poet from years ago. Anyways, but yeah, no. Uh, it's cool. Yeah, like the he's he's drawing attention to the concept also, and I, and I I try to segue out of the fact that your boss showed his daughter this movie. Um, just not daughter. Oh, son. Yeah, I never said the. Oh, sorry. I don't know why. It's okay. He showed their child this movie, which fits with the concept of the idea that Pixar. You can you can watch it as an adult, or you can watch it as a child, and you get a very different experience potentially depending who's watching it. But it's it's interesting that you could watch it and love it from any age group and kind of take different things from it that like a child watching this movie certainly likes the movie, but when they watch it per perhaps 10 or 20 years from that point, they'll get something completely different. And like, Whoa, I didn't even realize that this was the message they were trying to send, which is a Pixar. I mean, trait that is in almost every Pixar movie and they do brilliantly. So I agree with that. Yes, indeed. Thanks again, Kenneth. Thanks for writing in. As usual, uh, you keep this podcast clipping along. I was going to say a float. Yeah, potentially as well. <laughs> I love you, Ken. Happy New Year, man. Do you have any uh, corrections there, Adrian? 
Anything you made a mistake about last episode or? I doubt it. You doubt it. I actually don't. I, I don't. I, I, if I did, I don't recall it. Okay. Okay, then. Did you pick up on something? Did I say something wrong? Not that I recall. No. Mm. I'm going to assume I'm just, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm more critical of myself. I look for clarifications and corrections when I'm listening to it as, a, as I'm editing. Um, I'm no Adam Driver. I, I've got to watch my work back so that I can see what the mistakes are because I'm literally editing it to make sure that it, it makes sense. And so, I mean, he's got, he doesn't have to edit his films, thank God for him. It's so strange that Adam Driver can't watch his movies. Like he can't watch himself back because it, it offends him or something. Like he's embarrassed by it, which is so odd because he's a great actor. But anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's not like he has to watch Rise of Skywalker, so it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Well, enough about what Adam Driver's watching. What have you been watching, Adrian? Oh, I've uh, I've been watching uh, a couple more episodes of Raised by Wolves with my lover. It's really good. She keeps on saying that she doesn't really like it, but she keeps on watching it and says that she's interested to find what's uh, happening. So I think she does like it. She just doesn't want to admit it. What episode are you on? Uh, episode four now? I only watched the first three episodes, I believe. Oh, okay. It's really good. It's really good. I'm really liking it. I, I want to keep on watching, but my girlfriend is also like, I don't really care to watch it, but I'll watch it. So I still have to watch it with her, which is kind of annoying, but it's okay. <laughs> I would have probably been done it by now. Oh, I see. Um, but yeah, I'm going to keep on watching it. I'm excited. Uh, I also just started. I only watched one episode uh, on New Year's Day of Cobra Kai season three. Oh, nice. I'm I'm excited to keep on watching it. I'll probably watch a couple more episodes after this podcast while I, I'm eating. I think really hungry. I think you said uh, a couple episodes ago, probably ten episodes ago to be honest. But you said that um, the problem with Cobra Kai is that children make out for way too long on screen. Is that Cobra Kai that I'm thinking of, or was that a different show? No, that was Cobra Kai season two. Like in season two, they really upped it. There was just a bunch of teenagers making out for extended periods of time, and I was like, oof, I don't like this whatsoever it was a little bit weird it wasn't like that in the first episode i hope no not at all not at all in season three uh apparently season three is like a lot better uh from what i've been hearing online about it uh they really upped it it's better quality to be fair it is now a netflix original show so the third season had netflix's money to back it however i mean google it, it being a youtube premium show prior to that google has so much money but i don't think they cared as much about it again i really loved season one i thought season two was still good despite a bunch of children making out far too much but yeah it's season three again one episode in i'm excited to keep on watching it i really like this show i think it's really great it's cool it really encapsulates that sort of campiness that the original karate kid movie had and this corniness uh, that they really kind of lean into a little bit more i feel like in this third season it almost became a little bit more self-aware i'd argue However, again, I'm only one episode in. I'm excited to keep on watching it, um, and I'll probably have more to say about it come next week when I'm done it. Cool. And then uh, finally, we talked about... Before you move on, just with Cobra Kai in general and the concept of YouTube YouTube music... Sorry, not YouTube YouTube, Premium. YouTube music. What the heck am I talking about? YouTube Premium. I don't understand how YouTube has left the streaming, the quality streaming space... When everyone else is entering it, although they had a lead because they did, there wasn't Peacock, there wasn't HBO Max, there wasn't Disney Plus, and there was not Apple TV Plus. Apple is literally a direct competitor to Google. 
why did they leave the space? Have you looked into this? Because I, I have, I just realizing now that again, this was their number one show on that service, and it moved to Netflix. What happened? Are you aware of why they they ditched this? It doesn't make any sense because YouTube already has kind of a lead in in a video streaming space on its own turf. Like they could have continued to pour money into this and and like been successful. No. I, I think so. I, I'm not fully aware as to why. My assumption is it just doesn't, it wasn't doing too great. Well, yeah. I mean, I paid for a YouTube premium subscription, but not because of the YouTube premium originals. I was paying because I wanted YouTube without ads and then you get YouTube music with it as well. Right. So it's just everything in one. I watch a lot of YouTube. So I was just like, this is perfect for me. And then, you know, I just gave Cobra Kai a chance. The only other show that I watched on YouTube premium was a show called Wayne, which I really liked. It only had one season left on a cliffhanger. They canceled it. Okay. It's kind of a bummer. Uh, and I know there was a few other shows that were kind of uh, not necessarily huge, but uh, you know, there was the sequel to that m- movie starring Chris Evans from like early 2010s called push. Remember that movie push? Yeah. I never watched it though. Uh, it's pretty, I don't remember it. I remember liking it as a kid, right? Uh, but I don't really remember the premise, but yeah, they made a sequel series to that. Oh obviously not starring Chris Evans. There's also a a series starring Malfoy. I forget the guy's name. I'm sorry. Then the actors, uh, Tom Felton. Yeah. Starring him as the main character. I don't know how well that did, but they also had a bunch of just shit quality TV, at least from the outside looking in starring a bunch of YouTube stars. Oh, I was actually thinking that one of the things they could have played off of was to actually empower their best YouTubers the ones that are actually creating these, like for instance, he's not on YouTube. I don't, I don't think as much anymore. But Freddie Wong or people like that to create content mm-hmm. on their service, like hire them. Like you've been doing this for years. How do we create like a talk show with like I don't know, freaking the equal three guy Ray William Johnson, and then you throw in Freddie Wong somewhere, and then you just empower these YouTubers who have been doing this for years, and then create like really high quality shows, and that's in their premium tier. That would have been cool. Like, I just feel like they missed an opportunity here that I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm missing something. And then you hire also some big name actors and stuff like Apple TV did. Like Chris Evans was obviously, wait, Chris Evans isn't in Push, is he? The new Push series? No, he's not in the series. Oh, okay. He's just in the movie. Yeah, okay. Then whatever. But yeah, like, uh, no, you make a good point. Yeah, with uh, Chris Evans and defending Jacob, I think, right? Yeah. Well, well, in general, like there's a Spielberg TV series. There's one that's like developed by uh like who's heavily involved in it like Kamel Nanjani is an example like there's an Oprah TV series like I mean they didn't there's they spared no expense and I mean Google has a lot of money just like Apple does so they could have easily succeeded they just gave up yeah I I do find it odd I think a lot of it had to do with like them they did kind of bring in these big name YouTubers but the vast majority you know I think Logan Paul who is fairly popular um, and I don't know, I forget all the other people, but I think primarily the vast majority of the people that watch those YouTubers are children or, you know, young teens and stuff that probably don't have that disposable income to pay for a YouTube premium subscription. Yeah, maybe. But Whereas, then go different. Yeah, I guess so. So maybe my idea back there was not the greatest, but, but even just having, having like, again, big name directors or actors like Apple TV has pulled off, like they're doing some pretty cool things now with. Ted Lasso, and I, I really do think Defending Jacob is really good. The Morning Show is pretty great as well. Your favorite show on there is C with Jason Momoa, and so never watched it, never will. <laughs> I just think they could succeed. But I was just thinking back a few moments ago, and I said, actually, I realized that 
really, maybe this is exactly what Google does every time. Like think about all their weird failures, like Google Glass and like, why do they have Google, like Google Play Music and YouTube Music simultaneously, like basically taking audience from both, like they're, they're playing in two fields, but they have to be licensing fees twice. Like, I don't understand even what that is. Like, why are they doing that? Like, so Google play music is officially shut down. Now as it, is. A few months. it wasn't shut yeah. down like for years though, while YouTube music was running. No, I, I know. Yeah. Quite literally. I remember when, um, YouTube music launched in Canada, it was like, what, a couple years back. And I was like, Oh, like if they're launching this app, they're definitely going to stop you know, using Google play music. So I just pr- like proactively switched over to YouTube music. And then like, you know, a year and a half later, I was like, what the fuck? Like, why is Google play music still running? Because I, I think Google play music is a better, like it ran better. I feel like it gave me better music suggestions. Yeah. Uh, all of that stuff. Uh, although they probably use the same algorithm. Maybe it's just in my head. It's gotta be the same. However. So yeah. And then, yeah, they officially shut it down. I think it was like two, maybe three months ago. They kind of do this with like other things too. Like again, across the board, even Waze or Google Maps. That's the same. That's the same. They're both owned by Google. Like, but people love Waze, and like they'll say, "Ah, Google Maps was worse." Like, but it's owned by the same company, though. I, I don't. I don't really understand. Like, just pick pick very clear lanes. That's one thing that Apple is going for, and then it's picked a very clear. Like, this is what Apple TV Plus is, and we're going hard. Like, we've got we've hired Spielberg. Okay, we know what we're doing. This is a big sidetrack, but anyway. What what else have you been watching? Uh, sorry, real quick about Apple, uh, Apple and Apple TV. Yeah, yeah. I, I do, I I do agree with you. Like, yeah, they're going hard, and they have me for the next few years. Like, as soon as Ted Lasso season two comes out, I am resubscribing. Well, that one show is pulled you in. That's pretty crazy, eh? Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. I love Ted Lasso, He's- and again, I still want to watch Defending Jacob. They they are coming out with a few movies here and there. Oh yeah, Greyhound. Um, Honestly, Greyhound is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like it really is good. Yeah, like I I'm tempted to. I know this is going to sound ridiculous because it's obviously way cheaper to just buy a subscription <laughs> for Apple TV. But I'm tempted to buy one of those new MacBooks because I don't really have a working computer. I'm quite literally using my girlfriend's MacBook right now. But right, yeah, we are, we're, like- we're doing this remotely. If if you didn't listen to the last uh, episode, listener. We've been doing this with, uh, what's it called now? Zencaster. It's going to call it Vergecaster. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. <laughs> Zencaster, um, which uh, has its perks. I think it's not a bad uh, it's not a bad service. The only thing that happens, I, th- I find that the audio gets a little cut off when we talk over each other. So we got to be more careful not to interrupt. But anyway. Yeah, I'm definitely trying to wait for like a pause. And every time you speak, I feel like it's, uh, I think we're doing a pretty good job so far. When we're 30 minutes in, I feel like it's going well. Yeah, yeah, it's good. As you immediately interrupt me, how dare you? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess the last thing I've been watching, which I'm sure you have watched because I can literally see it in the notes here, and you mentioned it last week on the podcast, is Palm Springs, the movie which is now available here in Canada on Amazon Prime TV as well as uh, in the United States on Hulu. I don't know if it's available anywhere else in the world. But um, I'll just cut right to the chase. This movie is freaking fantastic yeah it is yeah it's it's honestly it's one of my favorite movies of the year like if i had to think about it when we at when we start getting into like award season um i think we'll we'll start choosing like our top movies of the year things like that um but i i i wonder if this lands there because it, it really is hilarious the other thing that's great about the movie as well is the fact that it's built in COVID times and such a bleak landscape 
And this movie's got such a joyous, I don't know, there's just like this pep to it that's, I don't know, optimistic, it feels like. Am I am I crazy? No, you're not crazy. I, I, I agree with you completely. It's, I wouldn't necessarily say it's optimistic. It's almost more nihilistic or nihilistic story, I guess is the, the, the correct way to pronounce that, with at least Andy Samberg's character. The premise of the movie, essentially Groundhog Day, but on a tropical resort. And Andy Samberg's character continues living the same life over and over again and eventually drags a woman into it, played by, what's her name, Christina? Malati? Yeah, Christina Malati, who I, I only know from uh, How I Met Your Mother. Anyways, you, yeah, um, so that's where I know her from, and you know she starts living the same day over and over again. There were a few surprise appearances. I never watched the trailer for this. I just heard it was really good, and I was like, I'm going to watch this when it's available. But there's a few surprise actors that I just wasn't expecting to be in here. Most notably, J.K. Simmons is in this movie, and I was pretty shocked when I saw him the first time and how he's kind of worked into the story I really, really liked. I I think this movie's great. And again, I the reason I would say this is more nihilistic is because Andy Samberg's character uh, has apparently been doing this for a very long time and he just stopped giving a shit about everything. He's just like, ah, whatever, you know, the day's going to repeat itself. We can do whatever the hell we but want. It's almost in a good, I don't know. It's almost in a positive way. Like he isn't, I don't know. He's not that jaded. He's still somehow he's still, he's not, he doesn't seem like he could have gone crazy. He didn't go crazy. And he's still kind of trying to enjoy the time that he's got, which is one day, <laughs> one day over and over again. But yeah, it's like it's it's I feel like Groundhog Day is like the movie with Bill Murray is is far more and it feels far more bleak in a lot of ways. Like this is like all sunny because they're in Palm Springs. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I get what you mean, though. I get what what you mean by the nihilism. But I find that, again, it, there's something cheery about it. there's that one dance scene that's been advertised quite a bit for, for a clip in the movie where they dance in that bar. The two of them. It's just great. I don't know. It's just, it's amazing. It, it's, there's, there's just so many moments in this movie that are incredible. I really like movies that in which the characters repeat the day over and over again, like not always, but I find like if you do something creative with it, with it like they did here, you, you got it. You could have a winning formula on your hands. Cause it is very interesting. Like as a concept. I agree with you completely. I think edge of tomorrow or live, die, repeat or whatever the hell they, they changed the name to is a prime example of that where, it is that like sort of Groundhog Day repeating itself formula, but made into this like interesting prevalence of an alien invasion and uh, and an action movie. I, I I love that movie by the way. Yeah, it's that great, it's fantastic. Um, but yeah, I I really enjoyed this man. I agree with you. I think it's really funny. It's you know it has like these heartfelt moments in it, and the characters. The, the two main characters played by uh, Andy Samberger and Christina uh, Milotti are, are both very likable, but they also both have their flaws that are kind of get revealed like, you know, throughout the movie. And there's a few like interesting twists that I did not see coming at all, actually. And I thought like when they are revealed, you're like, oh, that that makes a lot of sense as to why a specific character is acting that way. And it's made although not like clearly like how much time has passed, but it's very evident that a lot of freaking time has passed, at least to these characters in their mind. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because again, technically the movie takes place over a single day, but 
multiple times, but realistically, they were probably living that day for years and years. Uh, at least that's how it seemed to be. Um, that's that's what I took from it. Like, what did you what did you think? Yeah, I, I thought. There, what do you mean? Like in terms of a time frame? Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. I mean, maybe I don't know, uh, 30, 40 years. I don't know. What do you, why do you think it was longer? No, no, I, I was thinking, yeah, like probably like a decade or two. Like it, it, that's that's almost how what I got from it. Um, yeah, like they lived. And yeah. they, I don't think they lived a lifetime in there, but they certainly lived enough days that they they got bored of it. The, the interesting thing is too is that they can go. They, I find they go anywhere, which is cool, and then they always end up waking up in the same spot. They just kind of stretch. I like the idea of stretching the rules behind how the day works. But yeah, mm-hmm. the J.K. Simmons character is, is amazing as well. I knew he was in it because I saw him on the, the the marquee, like the the poster or whatever his name was there. I knew it was Andy Samberg and J.K. Simmons were the two actors that I knew were in it. But yeah, I don't know. It's 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 hilarious. It's hilarious. Andy Samberg is is great in most things that he's in. Honestly, I find. And so yeah, I recommend this to everyone if you want to be cheered up slightly. Wait, do you think it was depressing? You didn't think it was depressing, did you, Adrian? Oh, no, 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 not at all. I, I, I do agree with you. Like, it is an uplifting movie, and I loved watching it. Okay. And I was, I had a great time watching it, and I was happy watching it. And I think this is one of those, like, perfect movies for COVID times because, you know, you can live vicariously through these characters living in a beautiful paradise. Yeah, they're getting a little too close to each other, but, you know, what can you do? They're not wearing masks, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's got to suspend disbelief. <laughs> God, I miss it. I miss it so much. Yeah, it's, it's honestly, it could be soon. Like if, if people actually take the vaccine, I mean, that's the only way we get out of this. So if actually people take the vaccine, then uh, then we, we might, you know, we might be out of this by next year, next Christmas, even slightly before that, like Thanksgiving, we could be in good shape. Um, it seems like there's a lot of these vaccine makers at this point. Like, so again, the hope is we could be in a movie theater by next like November which would be awesome I hope because that's, I think roughly when Dune comes out, you know, Dune knew you're going to, knew you're going to mispronounce that again. <laughs> never, you never, never gets old, I guess. Uh, yeah. Anything else to add about Palm Springs there, Adrian? No, other than I highly recommend it. And yeah, it, so far, if I were to put it on a list, it's probably in my top five movies of the movies I watched last year. Cool. Uh, that's awesome. It's really great. Cool. Yeah. I, I think so too. I honestly think so too. And it kind of surprised me. I don't know why. I knew it was like over 90% of Rotten Tomatoes. I knew it was very well regarded and I, I looked forward to watching it. But yeah, it surprised me how good how, how good it is and how much I liked it. And again, I can't recommend it enough. It's on Amazon Prime here in Canada and it's on Hulu in the United States. And so, yeah, cool, man. Right on, brother. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Definitely surprised me too. I went in with high expectations as well. <laughs> it, it actually blew them away. But maybe not high enough. Well, I don't know. Maybe not. Let's get into the news, shall we? Yes. Oh, nice. All right. Let's psych no. Ugh, be quiet. Let's begin with a small collection of more focus stories that have been particularly pertinent this week. Number one, as reported by Canadian tech website Mobile Syrup, a new tier of Disney Plus called Star is set to launch in Canada and internationally on February the 23rd, 2021. Star is meant to feature more adult-oriented content and is believed to house a lot of the films and TV series from Fox, FX, Network ABC, and the U.S. exclusive streaming platform Hulu. 
that was previously unavailable on the service. This news came from Disney's Investors Day conference, in which Disney also announced a $3 price hike for Disney Plus in Canada to bump the price from $9 Canadian dollars to $12 Canadian dollars. Interestingly, Canadian network CTV currently controls a lot of the ABC content in Canada, whereas telecom giant Rogers completely controls FX content. Considering the various Disney licensing agreements with the major Canadian telecom juggernauts Bell and Rogers, it will be interesting to see how much of the FX, ABC, Fox, and Hulu content will end up on Star in Canada come the launch later this winter. Adrian, what do you think about this news? This is old news, by the way. Slightly old. It happened mid-December, but honestly, this is a slow news week. There's not a lot of news because the New Year, like New Year's Day just happened. And so, I mean, it was yesterday for in regards to when we're recording this. Um, but yeah, I thought we should dive into this a little bit because we just completely missed this aspect. And for any Canadian listeners out there, it might be interesting to know that on February the 23rd, Star is launching as, again, a sub-tier within Disney+. Plus. But what do you think about this uh, this idea? Well, Simon, what I think about this idea is it's uh, pretty great. I'm, I'm excited <laughs> okay. about this. Remember Amazing. when I mentioned this, uh, a few weeks ago and you looked me dead in the eye when we still could see each other in person and you said, you dumb idiot, this will never happen. This will never happen in a million years, Adrian. You, you're a stupid idiot and this won't happen. And I said, Simon, I swear I, I saw this somewhere and you said, no, you didn't. And I just, I let you have it. I'm, you know, I was like, I'm not going to argue with you. I mean, all of this stuff is on record. So if you want to listen back to see if I called you a dumb idiot at any point in the podcast history, I mean, listen to episode 25 or 24 or 23. It's probably in one of those. And then you yeah, can probably. tell me, listener, did I call Adrian a dumb listener or not? And then you can write into us at splitfocuspodcast at gmail.com and tell me whether I called Adrian a dumb idiot. <laughs> Maybe we should create a web, <laughs> an email address that literally is... Did I call Adrian a dumb idiot at gmail.com? What do you think? I think if anything, we should just keep it as, did I call Adrian dot, dot, dot at gmail.com? Yeah, right. I know you can't. And we just play you off can't. of that. No, we're going to leave it. We're going to leave it for now. We're, we're going to leave it for now. But yeah, you can write into us and let us know if I, call, I called Adrian a dumb idiot. But yeah, Star, uh, so you do think it's interesting because you, you claimed that that had happened before. Is that what you're claiming? I'm claiming that it was announced, yes. Okay, cool. What do you think about it, though? It doesn't matter if it was announced. What do you think about the actual the concept? I think it's awesome. The downside of about this is that yeah like uh like the licensing agreements here in canada are a little bit finicky initially i was super excited to hear about this so i was like yes we're finally going to get you know fx on disney plus but again rogers rogers owns that content here they have you know their fx now streaming service that you can only get if you have a rogers like cable subscription so i'm hoping that disney can work some magic and get you know like tv series is like uh fargo or it's always sunny or, you know, um, I don't know what else airs on FX. Uh, what we do in the shadows on Disney Plus, or I guess Star. I, I would really love that. And Or Reservation Dogs, the new Taika Waititi's show that's coming to FX. That as well. Yes, that as well. Uh, so it kind of, yeah, it interests me. I, I really hope that we do get more of this adult-based content. That was kind of my worry of Disney Plus. Um, in some cases, you know, with some of the most notably, what I was kind of thinking of is, you know, like the Daredevil TV series. And although Netflix obviously owns 
you know, the rights to the first three seasons, let's say theoretically, um, they do bring it back. Now they can keep that similar, similar, like gruesome, bloody, uh, almost R rated tone by like, and putting it on Disney plus, but by, you know, putting it onto this star streaming service. Is that, that what is you wishful. think though? Is, do you think that that's what's, that is what's going to happen? Cause I, I think that that's not necessarily going to happen. There's no star in the U S there won't be star in the U S it's just going to be Canada and other like international markets. Like they have Hulu there. Is that where daredevil is going to end up? They're going to end up on like, obviously Disney owns Hulu. So will Disney put daredevil and potentially, I don't know, Jessica Jones, which is the other Luke Cage was pretty good too. Like other shows in that universe, are they going to throw those onto Hulu? Like, I don't know. Like, is that better than putting it onto Disney plus? It's a, it's an interesting question. Cause it like our market is not the main one. It's still the United States. And so what they do kind of, we mirror what they do eventually in some way. I think that, yeah, I don't know. What do you think about that? Like specifically, do you think that that's what they're going to do? I don't necessarily think that's what they're going to do, but I would like them to do that. Yeah, I don't. It's a, again, like I think it's wishful thinking. I don't think it will, but I would really like for that to happen. Again, even if we just, even if that doesn't happen, I, I would like to have easy access to the FX content because I don't want to pay for either season by season or, you know, buy a Rogers cable package to stream it again, seasons, you know, being, you know, 25, 35 bucks. It's affordable. I can do it. I was going to do it with Fargo, but now I might actually just wait and see what happens with that. Mm. To be fair, like Fargo seasons one through three, I don't know if they still are, but Fargo seasons one through three are on Netflix here in Canada. I would think no to the FX content. I'm thinking that Star will not have a lot of FX content in Canada specifically because of the Rogers licensing deal. Until that runs out, I very much doubt, based on the fact that you can't get, you have to literally rent it. Like They didn't even think of a way for you to get it in another way than renting it on iTunes as an example for Fargo unless you literally have a Rogers subscription or cable package. It's so backwards that I doubt it. It's like when Bell monopolized and had HBO and HBO wasn't on any streaming service in Canada for the longest time. You literally needed to have a cable package to have HBO, which is just wild until Crave again created Crave plus HBO plus movies, which is great. And again, it's just like HBO Max, except we, we still, we're always one step behind and we're not going to get the 17 movies, but that's another story. I, I do think that FX content will not be on Star. I just have this weird feeling that unfortunately the only main thing that will be on Star will be Hulu, which is still really good because we missed out on Palm Springs for like, what, six months? When did that come out? We, we could only watch it like as of two weeks ago. So yeah. Yeah. You think- I don't want to agree with but I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, like even ABC is another one that's a weird one because ABC is traditionally kind of the content on there, like Grey's Anatomy as an example, is traditionally owned by CTV, which is owned by Bell, Bell Canada. Uh, however, Grey's Anatomy is on Netflix all the seasons and Agents of, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is another ABC sh- show, that is currently on regular Disney+. Plus. Am I wrong about that? I know Grey's Anatomy for sure is on Netflix. Like I'm, I'm a hundred percent certain about that one. Yeah, I know wrong, the but... Netflix stuff for sure. That that's a, yeah, I agree with you on the Grey's Anatomy thing. I am actually kind of curious now. That that is a good point. Maybe they won't put it on Netflix. Maybe at least they'll have past seasons of the ABC shows. 
even FX, for instance, Fargo is on the Fargo TV series. Wasn't it at one point or maybe even now on on Netflix? Yeah, man. That's what I was saying. Yeah, seasons oh, one through three. Okay. Are. I see. I get it. But it's like we're still going to be missing. We're still going to be one step behind the, the curve every step of the way. So that, that's the issue. Yeah, I, I get it. So it's possible that might happen. But would you wait for like a year before they put Fargo season four as an example on Star? It's kind of still annoying. I mean, these licensing deals will maybe run out and then we'll we'll see what happens. Disney's kind of cool with trying to pull in all of the content into one place. They're one of the the few, <laughs> seemingly this few streaming services that own their own content and really want to have their own content, which seems counterintuitive. But <laughs> for these other brands like HBO Max, uh, that will always boggle my mind to push Harry Potter to NBC. We don't need Harry Potter, one of our best-selling properties of all time. Take it. Take it, NBC Peacock. Do what you will with it. We're we're gonna survive with all this other content that we don't have. But yeah, with the with Disney, Disney really does seem to want to put most of their Disney content on Disney Plus. So it is possible. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. I guess uh, guess we just gotta wait and see. I'm excited. Cool, man. Cool. Number two, as reported by entertainment website NME and gaming website IGN, the reboot film adaptation of the Capcom video game series Resident Evil has completed filming in the Canadian city of Sudbury as of last week. The first film of the rebooted series is meant to follow the story of the first two Resident Evil video game installments that took place in the infamous Raccoon City. 47 Meters Down director Johannes Roberts is directing the project and is a self-professed fan of the series. After initially being chosen to direct the project, he said, quote, I really wanted to go back to the original first two games and recreate the terrifying, visceral experience I had when I first played them, whilst at the same time telling a grounded human story about a small, dying American town that feels both relatable and relevant to today's audiences, unquote. The film will star actors Hannah John Kamen, Kaya... Is it Kaya? 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 It's, uh... Ryan the Last Dragon. Ryan. Ryan. <laughs> it's so funny that you knew i was going with that immediately kaya sorry (laughs) let's keep going kaya schedule let's just take a guess kaya scadalario and robbie amell as protagonists jill valentine claire redfield and chris redfield respectively actors tom hooper and neil mcdonough will play antagonists albert wesker and william birkin respectively Adrian, I know you're a big Resident Evil fan. You chose this story when I gave you the the options. Uh, what do you think about this? They're done filming. Oh, I, I think this is awesome, man. I'm super excited for this. I didn't love the Resident Evil movies uh, directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. I liked the first one. I thought the second and the third one were pretty good. But very quickly, I, I kind of stopped watching the rest. And those movies do not follow the uh, game storylines barely the second movie uh, does follow uh, Resident Evil 3 a little bit more but again it's very loosely based on those right this I'm excited because it seems more like a um, faithful adaptation reimagining yeah ad- adaptation of of those games uh, I'll, I'll be honest I never really got into the first Resident Evil game I tried getting into it it's uh it's these it's tank controls they it just doesn't feel right i'm familiar with the story because i just watched videos on what the story was um because i i do really love uh you know the resident evil games i my the first one i really played was probably resident evil 4 on the wii and then eventually you know played resident evil 5 and 6 
Five is a great like couch co-op experience. Six kind of sucks. Um, and then I played uh, Resident Evil 7 um, late 2018, early 2019, which is a super cool story. And then I played the Resident Evil 2 remake for the first time uh, early last year. Like, it, Sorry, I guess 20, maybe it was 2019. Yeah, I think it was early 2019. And that game's freaking amazing. It's terrifying. It's It's super, it's scary. And the tension's there and the story's really good and it's grounded and it's not this like absurd, you know, I mean, there is these absurd elements of like this, this virus was made and, you know, there's this, you know, secret organization doing these specific things, blah, 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 blah. But it's, it's, it's an incredibly terrifying premise and it's all takes place. The entire game practically takes place in a police station in Raccoon City. Uh, starring uh, Leon Kennedy, um, who I know you didn't list the actor, although he was cast, uh, and Claire Redfield, uh, who again is being played by Kaya Scodelero. I really like Kaya Scodelero. I think she's really great. I know her from Skins, which is a British TV series. She's in the first four seasons in season seven, as well as uh, she's in Maze Runner, uh, the trilogy. The first Maze Runner is really good. The other two suck. Um, and again, I think I know Tom Hooper, quite well just because i watched umbrella academy uh relatively recently i think he's a really great choice for albert wesker he has the look down um hannah john Kamen, i don't know her too well i have seen her uh most notably i think she was she's the villain in ant-man and the wasp am i right about that correct yes she is yeah she yeah she's she plays ghost and i think she did a good job again i haven't seen her in much else and Robbie Amell, I've seen him in a couple of uh, a couple TV shows. He's in like the CW, like yeah. Arrowverse. He seems like a very like B list actor, but I think he he'll do a good job as Chris Redfield. Um, again, I'm I'm super stoked for this. I like that they're. I feel like video game movies. It almost seems like they're finally hiring directors that care about the projects that they're making. Yeah, if that makes sense. Funny enough, the one thing I took from the story, like. When I was writing it, I, I really wanted to include that quote because I found that the quote there, there's been times where directors they they'll say something about a movie about the movie they're making for a video game that's based on a video game, and it seems like what they believe about the video game is not what fans actually like about it. And I found that this guy, this this quote here about he wanted to go back to the visceral experience, a terrifying visceral experience of the first two games, create a grounded human story about this small dying American town. It sounds to me, from my understanding of what the first two games are, that he's actually lined up with what the game is good, like what what's good about the games in the first place. Am I wrong? No, no, you're definitely right. You're right on track, man. Like what makes Resident Evil great is the horror elements, these it's terrifying, man. And I just recently played through Resident Evil 3, uh, which is, again, like all the games are connected. They all take place in the same world. But Jill Valentine's the star of Resident Evil 3, who's also the star of the first one. And that game goes a little bit more on an action heavy route, but it still maintains like this kind of frightening tone where, you know, like these, these zombies are terrifying and you're being chased by, you know, like this huge monster and it's a fantastic game i got the platinum uh again on ps4 playing on it on my ps5 unlocked frame rate baby it looks amazing arguably one of the best game looking games i've played but uh i'm super stoked for it like uh, like playing through that game and then hearing about this this finishing up shortly thereafter i was like i i just want to talk about this because i i have a good feeling about this i know 47 meters dan apparently wasn't great i've been wanting to watch it because it looks like dumb fun just a shark killing people. I love, you know, me with, uh, 
with people dying on screen. I, I love that. You love open water. I know you. Um, you know what's it's it's weird about this is that I put forty seven meters down because if you look through his IMDb page, a lot of Johannes Roberts his films, which is not it's a little worrying to me. I, I think a little bit is the fact that most of his films are specifically about sharks. <laughs> I was a little worried about this movie because of that. Uh, oh, and the other, oh, there's one other thing that I was going to call attention to in terms of uh, this story was that it was filmed in Sudbury, which I think is really cool. They apparently mm-hmm. shut down downtown Sudbury and they, they were apparently very polite about the businesses, even though they had shut down and there was not much parking for the businesses down there, but they still kind of created ways for, for, for people to get through uh, to make sure that they could get to their shops, whether it be a restaurant or like, I don't know antique shop or whatever so i thought that was kind of cool it was it was like a it was a canadian article about the fact that they were filming down there or up there i guess it's pretty cool up there um but yeah that's it, that's pretty neat that that they're filming in, in sudbury i don't think there's much filmed in sudbury there's more and more stuff i think filmed in canada but but yeah anyway that's kind of cool yeah really the only thing about this that i don't like is that he's gonna try to put the first two games into one yeah you think that one would be enough one game one movie yeah definitely i think you could easily make a full movie about the second game because realistically the second game is already two stories that are playing out at the same time and you play through one of the character stories and then you can flip over and play the second character story whereas i think the first one is uh, more so linear you play as you know jill valentine and chris redfield uh, in those, if I recall correctly. So, you know, again, two stories that are kind of happening at the same time. Uh, so I just feel like there might be a little bit too much going on. And I don't really like there isn't much crossover between those two tales, think, if that makes any sense. I think the jury's still out as to whether you can make a, a, a truly great video game movie adaptation like shouldn't these all be series like imagine we had these actors in a in a tv series wouldn't that just be great like why are you jamming these two games into one it seems like it's an odd it's gonna be too rushed i don't know i I mean it's possible like if you're only gonna loosely base it again like they did before i think they're gonna try and get it they're going to get it closer to what the story is of the games. But I just find that, again, just spread it out as much as you can. You, you don't have enough time in, in general. Like, how long did it take you? You just played Resident Evil 2. Well, not long ago, but you did play it recently. Like, how long did that take you to beat? I uh, I don't know. I, I actually don't know. I know you can you can beat it relatively quickly. In less than like an hour? Was... No, definitely not. Less than four hours? Uh, you can. Yeah, you actually can oh, if you okay. like rush through it. So as an example, I just beat Resident Evil 3. My first playthrough of that game probably took me about eight hours. Uh, but to get the Platinum Trophy, you have to beat it on the hardest difficulty setting in under two hours. I oh. accomplished that. Wow, okay. So then it's possible then. Huh. Yeah, it, it definitely is. Like if you just put all the cutscenes together, you'd probably, like out of Resident Evil 2 as an example, if you just put all the cutscenes together, you'd probably have a two and a half hour movie right there. Right. Um, Still would make but sense again, to not jam two movies into, sorry, two film, two video games into one film, though. No, no, I agree completely, man. That That's really, yeah, my biggest worry of it. And I, I do wish it was a TV series because I feel like that's the better route to take for these video game movies. But to be fair, we are getting a Netflix animated Resident Evil, like a CG animated Resident Evil series as well. And a live action one. Oh, are we getting a live action animated? Or sorry, a live action animated. Jesus, a live action 
Netflix series as well. I thought it was just an animated one. There's two. There's another two series coming out. We we talked about this earlier on the show. We even t- I think we talked about some of the actors involved. Take a look at the look at it after the show. But th- there's apparently another one as well. Uh, but the thing is, is that since we talked about it, since we we reported on it on the podcast, like I don't know, ten episodes back, since that point, there was no other news about it, and there's been news about this movie instead. So I'm not really sure. Maybe they decided to not do that. I'm not really certain, but it's worth taking a look at because that was another one. Remember, they were supposed to go through two different timelines. It was supposed to be mm-hmm. these uh, these characters as children, the Redfields, I think it was, and then they were going to be grown up. That's that's what I understood it to be. They were kind of doing it not loosely based on the the games. They're going to definitely uh, jump into the game series when I think the the Redfields are grown up. But anyway, take a look at it. They're they're definitely doing this as well, I think, or at least they were planning on it. Uh, it's worth looking at uh no you're, you're definitely right it wasn't about the redfields it was about uh the weskers oh um okay so, yeah it's the wesker kids oh um so i'm curious if all of this will be kind of interconnected if they're going to make the movie interconnected because you, you are right i just googled it real quick it is a resident evil live action series on netflix plus two animated series coming to netflix too they're going hard on that uh and they're then dedicated. i'm yeah i'm curious if these movies will be attached is this too much like why are they doing all of this like why are you doing this all at once like just spread it out a bit to see how you you like the audience reacts to one or the other first I think the movie's coming out first, or maybe it's the animated series coming out first. It just seems strange to pack it all within the next like three years. Like, just show us one, and then see how people like it, and then do the next one. It seems like a weird investment. People really like Resident Evil, I guess. I don't know. They do, but I just find that even those movies were they really that big? They they made money, but did they make that much money that you could think that you would make now two animated series? a live action series and a movie to come out again within like a three year time sprain uh, time time sprain. What the hell am I saying? Time span. <laughs> I got these uh, AirPods in my ear, but now they've changed the noise canceling mode. So I can't hear myself speak anyways. Yeah. Time sprain. That's what I, I'm, I'm just going to go with it. The two, the three year time sprain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's interesting, man. I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for this. I, I do agree. I think they're blowing their load a little bit too fast. But I feel like Blowing resident... their load a little bit too fast. Wow. Yeah. Could you be uh, any more crass? <laughs> what, what a weird ass statement to use. <laughs> you know what I'm you know what I'm saying though. You understood exactly what I meant. Um, but I do I do feel like at least in the gaming industry, Resident Evil is in a big rest like renaissance. Uh, you know, Resident Evil 7 came out about I think three years ago now. Um then with you know Resident Evil 2 remake coming out two years ago and Resident Evil 3 remake coming out last year, uh, the first two um, doing incredibly well, uh, both critically and commercially, and then Resident Evil 3 doing okay crit- critically and uh, commercially, not as good as the other two, but but it's still a great game. I, I actually really love it. I think it's kind of in that renaissance, and if they're going into that more horror element, I feel like uh, I feel like it, it might do well if they you know you know bank on that lower budget horror movie and uh you know make money i'm i'm hoping that it i'm hoping that it works out well i'm i'm very i'm optimistic and again i really like this cast i really like this cast um again i love uh ks scodelario and uh tom hooper i think is fantastic in umbrella academy so i'd like to see him in a almost well a villainous role in albert wesker and i hope they kind of retain that sort of campiness from the uh 
from the games while still maintaining a absolutely terrifying sort of presence. Resident Evil 2 especially. Uh, I That game is so good. And there is, like playing through that game, I've never been more terrified in my life. It's arguably the scariest game I've ever played. And there is a sense of impending doom constantly because throughout the vast majority of the game, you are being followed by this undefeatable force through the police station. You're constantly running. And the faster you move, the more that monster can hear you and the more noise you make, et cetera, can kind of find you. And it's, it's always moving. You can hear its footsteps. You have headphones on and it's terrifying. And if they can even just a fraction, you know, encapsulate that in a movie format, I, I'd love it. I, I can't wait. I'm very excited. Well, I guess we'll see again. Video game movies don't usually do that great with critics. So we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool. Let's move on to number three. As publication deadline reports, Justice League cyborg actor Ray Fisher tweeted on the 30th of December to announce that he would no longer work on any future projects in which Warner Media's DC president, Walter Hamada, is involved. Specifically, his tweet said, quote, Walter Hamada is the most dangerous kind of enabler. His lies and Warner Brothers PR's failed September 4th hit piece sought to undermine the very real issues of the Justice League investigation. I will not participate in any production associated with him, unquote. This drama is an ongoing situation that began in July 2020 when Ray Fisher called out an abusive set environment during the filming of the 2017 Justice League film. More specifically, He called out director Joss Whedon's abusive behavior and producers Jeff Johns and John Berg for enabling him. After Fisher made these allegations, Warner Media started an investigation, which finally concluded on December 11th, 2020, with a statement from Warner Media claiming that they had taken remedial action without diving into any real specifics. It is important to note that DC President Walter Hamada was not involved in the production of Justice League, as he was not even a DC executive at the time. But as the investigation commenced this summer, Fisher and Hamada had apparently met to discuss a potential role in the DC Universe Flash standalone film, and most importantly, the allegations Fisher had against Warner Brothers. But shortly after their meeting, Fisher claimed on Twitter that Hamada had tried to throw Whedon and Berg under the bus to spare longtime DC Films producer Jeff Johns. On September 4th, Warner Media denied Fisher's claim of Hamada's impropriety, while also quickly pointing out that Fisher had refused all meetings with the third-party investigator that they had hired up to that point. As the investigation concluded, Fisher seemed semi-satisfied with the outcome when he made yet another Twitter statement to fans on December 11th claiming, quote, There are still conversations that need to be had and resolutions that need to be found. Thank you all for your support and encouragement on this journey. We are on our way more soon, unquote. But this now brings us to today, where Fisher has vowed never to work on any Walter Hamada projects ever again, which presumably means that we will not be seeing Ray Fisher's Cyborg in the Andy Muschietti-directed Flash movie starring Ezra Miller or on any future DC film projects. Adrian, what do you think about this saga, which seems to have just wrapped up? Uh, this is weird, man. This is, this is like a... It's been going on, obviously, for a while, since July, as you mentioned in the story. I was listening. But uh, it's, again, I, you mentioned this last time, where I, I kind of want to believe Ray Fisher, uh, is what I was saying. But then you also just mentioned, like, this guy's giving absolutely no proof. 
And the more this goes on, the more I kind of lean towards what you're saying. It's just like, why haven't you brought anything out? Like what, like what is going on here? Like it seems, it almost seemed like it was, you know, getting resolved back in early December. And, you know, we had Joss, Joss Whedon get let go uh, or leave his um, TV show project. I forget. What the is Nevers, it? The Never. which is interesting. Yeah. The Nevers, by the way, is like coming out, I think, early, or starting like early next year or in the spring of next, or I keep saying next year, but we're in 2021 now. It, it, it's coming out in 2021. In fact, the HBO Max sizzle reel in which they were advertising like Wonder Woman 1984 before it came out, they talked about the Nevers and they showed the Nevers, which is interesting. And it's kind of, I'm ex- I was I was I should say I'm not anymore, but I was excited for the Nevers because of Joss Whedon because I know what kind of world building uh, he gets up to, but I find that uh, I'm less excited now because he's off that project. But uh, that's coming soon. It's weird that he's not on that project. It was literally his baby. He made that show, but yeah, it seemed like he was fired from that show, kind of because of Justice League. Does that feel, did it feel like that to you? No, uh, yeah, like that's that's initially what my thought was, and now I don't know if that's fully accurate. I mean, it might still be true, but it's like, what's going on with Ray Fisher? Like, I, I just again, it just why say all these things when it could very possibly ruin your entire career, and now you're pretty much you know pretty much saying that you're never going to work with WB again. I mean, not well, that he's saying that. He- work with WB he's not going to work with Walt uh Walter Hamada but if That's you're DC president not Walter it's not Warner Media's president by the way it's the DC president just to be clear That's a big difference uh, yeah. but still like he's a huge executive for mm-hmm. Warner Brothers like it, it's a pretty specific thing to do Yeah or pretty general it's- even I I don't even know why I said specific like it's almost a general thing to do cuz you're you're choosing to to put walls around yourself saying, I don't want to work with this, the biggest executive for DC. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it just seems odd, man. Like, I, I want to know more about this. And anytime that I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe, maybe Ray Fisher is, is right. And then, you know, we had like Jason Momoa come out and be like, yeah, I'm, I agree with Ray Fisher or whatever. Like, it, it's, it just, just seems like a very convoluted mess. <laughs> like, I don't know what to believe or who to believe or, you know, I, I'm sure both. Like I'm sure Ray Fisher is probably in some ways right, but is he like pushing it too far now, or is he just I don't know, man. Again, with without really knowing, I can't make up my mind. But I'm starting to kind of agree with like your statement of where's the evidence, man? Like, how am I supposed to believe you if you're not giving me anything? It's less about evidence itself, but where is the alleg? Like, what allegations are you actually making? Like, give me an example of what's happening. The weirdest thing is like, okay, he's given us no, he keeps saying it's an abusive, unprofessional behavior by Joss Whedon. But when, like, for instance, let's, let's say it's sexual impropriety. And like, for instance, Louis C.K. The, the accusers of Louis C.K. Pint, painted a very specific picture of what he did. No one questioned what Louis C.K. had done. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. Louis C.K. was canceled. If you're now Ray Fisher that doesn't want to work with Warner Brothers anyways, why would you not just say to fans, this is exactly what happened? It's so strange. Again, I reiterate, initially, he said he loved Joss Whedon at Comic-Con, which we'll never forget because that doesn't make any sense. Because then later on, like, I think a year later or something, then he said, 
two years later, he said, I don't like Joss Whedon, actually. Now I don't like him. But it's after the movie has come out, in which he's now no longer really a part of that movie. He's not on camera very much. And I think, I, I still believe that because there's no evidence, I wonder, is it because he's had creative differences with Joss Whedon and Joss Whedon didn't want to hear him out when Zack Snyder wanted Cyborg to have more of a role in the film initially? Maybe it's like a creative thing, like where Joss Whedon just shut him down everything he said, which is potentially abusive. Maybe he was yelling on set. But what is, why are you trying to create this mystery because it wasn't as crazy or abusive as you're trying to make it sound? Like, I don't you know. You think it's just throwing a temper tantrum? I don't think it's a temper tantrum. I think that there was probably abusive behavior on set, but I don't know if it was abusive behavior in the way that it could have been like fireable. Like, I don't know if that, is that what it was? Because it, we don't know because he doesn't, he refuses to give any out any, I still, I looked it up again. I still don't see anything that suggests what exactly Joss Whedon did. And it's odd. I, I've said this over and over again because it's odd. Do I not believe Ray Fisher? I don't know. It's like Sch Schrodinger's Ray Fisher. Like Schrodinger's allegations. You know what I mean? Like we have no idea what the allegations are because there's no – we don't know if the cat is in the box or not. We have no clue. It's, it's, it, we don't know if it's dead or not. We, we have no clue. There's no, there's just no lack of evidence. It's so weird. The weirdest thing about this, in my opinion, now though, as the story wraps up, and I don't think we're going to see much of it anymore, considering his last tweet, which was, "I will no longer work with anything, any project to do with Walter Hamada," is the fact that literally they said they they basically tweeted out that the investigation is done. Then Ray Fisher says. I'm kind of happy with this, but there's still remedial action that needs to take place. It still kind of has to, it's not all done and it's, it's a work in progress. And this is, this is, he was trying to, he was kind of framing it as, and this is kind of good news. And then the next tweet to do with this is to say, I will not work with Walter Armada again. Is what happened that he made such a big stink about this. And then Walter Armada basically said, no, actually we don't want you in the flash movie. And then afterwards he's like, no, you're not breaking up with me. I'm breaking up with you. And then he, because Warner Brothers is a professional organization, they're not going to go on social media and said, we're no longer going to work with Ray Fisher, but Ray Fisher can do that because he's been doing that all along. So is that, that's what it looks like to me. It looks like, oh, you're not breaking up with me. I'm breaking up with you. I don't know because we don't know anything because he has tweeted about everything about these allegations so publicly, but without any evidence. So. I don't know. What do you think? No, man, I, I actually agree with everything you said. Like, I don't think I can really add any anything on top of that. I, I You've convinced me I'm not completely. trying to convince you. It's more of a, please, I want to believe you. Like, I, I don't not want to believe you. I know. I don't, I don't have any issue with believing you, but you're not doing any yourself any favors. I just don't get it. What's the yeah. benefit? Who Who's winning uh, I mean, here? Like, again, yeah, it's... <laughs> Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> like from the outside looking in, none of this makes sense. Like what is happening? I just want to know. It's just a bunch of people. Just, well, I guess one person yelling to everyone about stuff, but not elaborating on any of it. Yeah, like because he hasn't been that specific, people, their imaginations, like fans have been running wild. What has happened? Joss Whedon must be a monster. But what could have happened is Joss Whedon completely which was the rumors, by the way, that were like, I think, um, what's the, uh, Kevin Smith had, had heard from down the, you know, the grapevine that, that Joss Whedon was kind of very controlling about this movie after taking it over from Zack Snyder and try to make it his own. 
but people were kind of resistant because Zack Snyder hired the people involved. Like he, he was, it's his baby. He loves this movie. And so to, for Joss Whedon, who's a very different director, honestly, if anyone's fault, that's freaking Warner Brothers. Why would they hire Joss Whedon for this? No offense, but like he's a very different director. Then he did all these reshoots that didn't involve certain characters. And he tries to change things that are drastic. And then maybe... Zack Snyder has a more collaborative film style where Ray Fisher was way, way more involved. And now Ray Fisher doesn't like it. And then he goes to complain. And then Joss Whedon shuts him down. He's like, I'm the director here. I'm the, and he makes a power trip. And then it's this whole snowball situation. Specifically, actually, Gal Gadot said that she had a, her own problem with Joss Whedon, but he, she just discussed it with Joss immediately and shut it down. That's what she, that's what she was interviewed at one point for, Wonder Woman 1984, and they brought up a question about the about this ongoing investigation of Warner Media because of again the Joss Whedon situation and Ray Fisher, and she specifically said, "Yeah, I just I, yeah, I had my own thing with Joss Whedon, but honestly, we 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 worked it out. That 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 was her. That was what she said. So I don't know. And then Jason Momoa again, it was just as vague. Like, oh, I stand with Ray Fisher, but on what, Jason? I want to know. I want to know what you're standing for. And all these fans are just standing with them. If you look on Twitter, they're like, oh, I, I stand with you. I'm like, but on what? What do you, you should probably know what you're standing for. It's probably a good idea. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to, I want to believe that's, a, that's all I want to say. Yeah, man. I, I, I yeah, I, I usually want to believe accusers in these sort of situations, anything in relation to abuse or whatever, you know, sexual misconduct, which again, it, it, it what was it? What is this? even me just being like oh it could be sexual misconduct is is that's kind of the point it's like just fucking say something i don't know man. <laughs> just say if stuff. it was though i think that would have gotten out like I don't, I don't think people would keep that a secret like why is this a secret i think it's a secret because people maybe yeah. don't it's it's become cyberpunk 2077 i don't know that's a that's a vague reference to film film industry obviously but like because it's video games but cyberpunk 2077 was hyped massively to the extreme extreme extent where people honestly and 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 again the game was launched as a disaster it's a buggy mess but regardless people still if you look online people are complaining about other things they're complaining about how it's not the game that they believed it was like they believed it was like westworld of in terms of realism like that's not you can't hype things up to this crazy extent but but again, if you don't get enough information, like in this situation, people will just believe that this is the most extreme example because he didn't give any information out. He created it's like pretty good marketing on on his part. But I, I hope like again, it doesn't ruin his career for for I'm not sure what because we don't know what it is. He did just land a job by the way at ABC. Apparently, he's actually I just saw he was he's landed a job on a TV series at ABC. So it's I mean it's not over for him. I guess they trust him at ABC not to do the same thing there. I don't know. But it's just, uh, yeah, it's just, again, it's very strange, but I think this is wrapping up this story. And so I, that's why I think we both chose this story here uh, for the for the third story of the 27th episode, because I, f- I don't think there's much more. I'm sure we can throw something in the montage. I mean, there could be some development, like he t- he tells all, he releases all the evidence. But I have a feeling that this is where it's going to end. I wanted to see him in a Flash movie, by the way. That we didn't even talk about that part. Like that's kind of sad. Like, I, I want to see as many characters in that movie that they that Andy Muschietti wanted to place in that movie. Because again, we already know that we've got. Uh, I think I think anyways, but Michael Keaton's supposed to be in it, and um, and Ben Affleck, which is just nuts. So it would have been nice to see 
him in a two potentially, but yeah. Oh, well. I agree. Anyway. Okay. Cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's just too bad. Now on to the montage, a sequence of our show in which I briefly present the week's smaller news stories as Adrian delivers a brisk verdict. Number one, as Deadline has reported, Warner Brothers has decided to fast track Wonder Woman 3 with Patty Jenkins set to direct and write the third film in the series based upon the success of Wonder Woman 1984. I still want to watch Wonder Woman 1984. And although, like, it's crazy to see how much it dropped on Rotten Tomatoes. When it was, like, the first few reviews, it was, like, above an 80. It's now at 60. Audience score 74, not bad. But everything I'm seeing, people tend to, like, complain online or write negative things. But everything I'm seeing about this movie is that this movie sucks. Uh, I really want to make my own opinion, but I don't want to pay $30 to watch it. So I'll watch it when it's free on Crave or something. Number two, as website Variety reports, actors Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum are set to star in the romantic action-adventure film The Lost City of D. Bullock and Tatum will play a romance novelist and her cover model, respectively, who get kidnapped together while on a book tour. I, I can't even pretend I care about this. I just, I just can't. I just can't. I can't pretend. I like Channing Tatum. I think Sandra Bullock is pretty pretty good this premise doesn't sound awfully bad but for whatever reason i just can't care about this i just can't i just can't i just can't i'm not gonna care about it i feel like you almost pretended to care number three as publication the hollywood reporter notes the dreamworks animation film boss baby family business starring actor alec baldwin has been pushed from its recent march 2021 premiere date to a september 17th 2021 date instead this whole boss baby thing what what in the hell is this is this act like is this good is it can't be good it looks atrocious this looks genuinely awful i watched the trailer for this movie i've never seen anything worse in my goddamn life this looks awful let's look boss baby it's a 53 percent on rotten tomatoes and this this 53 percent on rotten tomatoes movie 51 audience score mind you it has a sequel movie in the works it has a tv series what in the fuck is this what is this what is this what is this number four as reported by entertainment website ign boxing film creed 3 is set to be directed by creed 1 2 and 3 star michael b jordan in his directorial debut michael b jordan the sexiest man alive according to some magazine i'm sure Number five, as reported by review aggregation site Rotten Tomatoes, a new series of animated short films called Pixar Popcorn will be arriving on streaming service Disney Plus on January 22nd, 2021. The short films will draw characters from Pixar's most beloved films, such as Finding Nemo and Toy Story. Oh, interesting. I'll watch them, probably. Bite-sized popcorn flicks, I like it. Pixar Popcorn, I like that. I love alliteration. And that concludes the montage. Ah, wow. This whole like virtual, you know, remote recording. There's a lot of day delay in the audio things you add. What? What delay? To the What do you mean? What you de- hear that delay in what? What what part was delayed? The ah sound that you made. I was just trying to recreate it. The the, the ah sound that you just made, you literally just yelled at ah right after no. the, the, the noise for the montage ended. You know why I know that? Because I edit this, Adrian. It gets edited so that there's no weird pauses. We're not doing it live, buddy. Oh, my goodness. 
You're ridiculous. Uh, Anyways, yeah, you got something for me? All right, Simon, I got new releases oh. for you. Once again, not many movies coming out. I feel like this is less than last week, but I'm not going okay. to count. Well, there's less stories than last week as well, so. Weird. What are these people doing? Taking this time off? Relaxing? Unacceptable. Unacceptable. So this is for So this is for the release week of January 4th to January the 10th. 7 days. Yes, normally. Yep. I try to keep Yep. You're right. It is. It is normal. E. There's a few movies coming out. The first one that's coming out is coming out on Wednesday, January the 6th. It's a Netflix original movie called Tony Parker, The Final Shot. This is, a, this is a documentary about Tony Parker, who is presumably a basketball player. But I don't know that for sure. How do you not know that? Isn't it on the I've cover? Wouldn't it just be on the yeah. cover of the actual movie? I don't know. Maybe Tony Parker's someone else, and he's he's the guy talking about the final shot oh. about basketball. I see. Yeah, possibly. Hmm. Maybe. The next movie that's coming out is coming out on Thursday, January the 7th. It's called Pieces of a Woman. This is a Netflix original movie once again. It's about this woman that does a home birth. And it's apparent, like it's a heartbreaking one because the baby dies, I'm pretty sure. And she's like experiencing this uh, great amount of grief, obviously, because her baby died. Like it's more than fair. It must be traumatizing uh but her like partner and the rest of her family apparently don't really want to deal with the grief Hmm. so she feels kind of alone now mind you i never watched the trailer and uh this is me just assuming everything from a description yeah oh yeah interestingly this stars vanessa kirby who there's a lot of uh oscar buzz or award show buzz about her performance so she might win or, or or not win necessarily, but she might get nominated for uh, Best Actress, which is cool. And also, this is the movie in which um, there was buzz around Shia LaBeouf getting nominated for Best Supporting Actor. But because of the situation with him in that lawsuit, it seems unlikely that that will happen at all now, especially because Netflix took him off of their award season uh, page they've got some kind of awards season page where they're basically campaigning for certain actors or movies and he was on there for pieces of a woman but now he's not on there anymore so uh yeah but vanessa kirby could win yeah that's interesting uh fun fact the first time i saw vanessa kirby was in the uh n64 game kirby 64 the crystal shards oh my god no. come on <laughs> so- <laughs> so dumb honestly sometimes i shock myself on the ridiculous things i say really uh wow yeah i that just came out of nowhere i <laughs> it was pretty dumb it it was you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna admit it that was stupid but it was good <laughs> okay <laughs> sure the next uh there's five more movies left coming out this week from what i can tell and they're all coming out on friday january the 8th the first one is a movie called stuck apart it's another Netflix original movie, and it's about a guy that's just going through a midlife crisis. Ooh. But it's supposed to be like a comedy. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah. Maybe. Who knows? The next movie that's coming out is a movie called Charming. Another Netflix original, but uh, this time it's an animated movie, and I'm pretty sure this is about Prince Charming. Oh, yeah. Prince or Charming. You just always have to call it my goddamn spelling mistakes. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, I'm, I- Well, instead of an E here, you got an R, so Prince or Charming. 
So I'm assuming that, oh, oh, you were saying Prince Charming. Oh, oh, I understand. I, I feel like I'm the grammar Nazi or something. <laughs> so yeah, you are. Two, <laughs> two episodes in a row in which I comment on on uh, written text. One from Ken last week, which he actually specifically took a took a shot at at the very beginning of his email. And now I've I've taken a shot at your uh, your R at the end of Prince. Or sorry, Simon, I want you sorry, to know. R at the end of Prince. I want I want you to know that it's it's not only in the last two episodes. You've done it on multiple episodes where you've made fun of spelling mistakes in my writing, where you've made fun of lovely Kenneth, his writing. You, you, you know what you are? No, you're a bully. Oh, I'm a bully. Now they're gonna just say I'm a yeah. grammar Nazi. But all right, no, okay, you're even worse. You're worse than a Nazi. What? Well, Nazis are bullies. It's part of their their thing. Yeah, you're right. You're worse than a Nazi. That's oh my God. very rude. That's, that's probably the worst yeah. thing you've ever said to me. It, it, like legitimately. 100%. That's awful. <laughs> you're definitely not worse than than a Nazi. Let's just be real. You are nowhere near as bad as a Nazi. Thanks. Thanks for clarifying. You're, I didn't know that. To be fair, though, to be fair, Hitler would have loved you. Blonde haired, blue eyes, white person. Let's be real. Okay. Thank, thank you for that insight. Can you move on to the next movie? Thank you. The next movie is Herself, and it's coming out on Amazon Prime. It's an Amazon Prime original movie, and it's about a woman who runs away from her asshole, abusive husband, and she tries to rebuild her life. Okay. Yeah. This is actually currently at a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. I didn't check how many reviews, though. But it's apparently uh, good, according to Rotten Tomatoes. Cool. Which is a review ag- aggregator, critic website of critical reviews. I think all right. I think probably most people, if they're listening to a film and TV podcast, probably have heard of Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, it's po- possible they don't know what it is, but I don't know. Better safe than sorry. And then uh, the second last movie that's coming out this week is a movie called The Reason I Jump. This is a video on demand movie, so you can rent it digitally on January the 8th, confirmed by Movie, uh, movie Insider and uh, Rotten Tomatoes. It's a, a documentary about five kids that are on uh, like the autism spectrum and it follows their lives. Wait a second. You just said that Rotten Tomatoes here. It, we've been talking about Rotten Tomatoes the entire time we've been talking through this podcast. And you just decided all of a sudden that you would explain where Rotten Tomatoes was? <laughs> what got it's into really- <laughs> what did? Why did you decide to, to explain that in the beginning of this episode when you brought up Rotten Tomatoes multiple times? You're a weird man. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, it's going. Does this movie look good? The documentary about the five kids that are on the autism spectrum? I don't know. I didn't watch the trailer. I think it's a it's a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes with nine reviews though. Whoa. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Re- the reason I jump is actually a hundred percent with twelve reviews, not nine. My apologies. Oh. Okay. Uh, and then finally, the last movie that's coming out is a movie called Stars Fell on Alabama. This is a movie available for rental on video on demand, both confirmed by Movie Insider and the trailer. Uh, it's a romance movie about two siblings that fall in love. What? No, it is not. No, it is not. What is it about? He's such a weirdo. It is like some sort of romance movie. I just, I, I just took the chance. I just <laughs> took the chance. I am so sorry. I, I don't think anyone from Alabama is listening. <laughs> That's ridiculous. And you forgot to write step in there. But anyway, no, the whole point about step. Alabama is that it's uh, biological siblings. Oh, oh, it's kind of rude, Adrian. I know. 
for a tremendous number of Alabama viewers. Did you know that actually half of the people that watch our show are from Alabama? Half of them. That's, that's, that's not true. <laughs> well, that can't be proven one way or the other, but it's we true. just lost half our viewership. Then. <laughs> you just completely alienated half our viewership. It's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. But what can you do? What can you do? I guess we're just going to have to make it up in uh, in Ireland or something. Mm-hmm. All right, then. Well, uh, that's pretty much our show. That was all the movies coming out this week and uh, all the news stories. And uh, I thank you, Adrian. I, I appreciate your, your company. I appreciate you joining me once again on this journey, on this podcasting journey that is Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. Uh, do you have anything to add, my friend? Uh, no, I don't. All right, then. Sorry, sorry, sorry. What? Hold up. What's going on? Um, that movie Superman's a good movie. It's a really good movie. I love that movie. I really enjoy that movie. And I think it, that movie would be better if it was the only way that movie could be better. Sorry, is if uh, Batman and Superman were siblings and they fell in love. I think you misunderstood. Like I, I didn't close the episode off, but I'm going to do that now. It is a little odd that you you just decided to go off on Batman versus Superman before I closed off. This is what happens when we're remotely doing this podcast. You can't see my eyes. You have no idea what's going on. Clearly, um, I do wonder if you kind of zoned out there for the last thirty seconds of what I was saying. I do zone out. I can't help it. I know because you can't see what's going on. I know we're in a remote location. I'm in uh, I'm in Guelph, and you're in Mary. Mary Hill. Regardless, uh, thank you for listening to the 27th episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and this, and this finally, is Adrian Pinter signing off. Hey guys, it's me, Adrian. I, uh, I'm not going to say it again. You heard what I said before. I'm not going to close. I'm not, I'm, no, I feel weird breaking tradition. Batman v Superman's a good movie, baby. I ain't breaking tradition. I'll say it again. I'll say it again for the entire world to hear it. My name's Adrian Pinter, and I think Batman v Superman's a good movie. Take care. Goodbye. Take care. Goodbye. Love you. I love you. I love you, Simon. I love you. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna just stop recording. Fuck's sake. <laughs>